We are ministering on the Lordship of Jesus for the second time. And so if you would, turn in your Bible with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. We're going to talk about the Lordship of Jesus and how that relates to each one of us. Sometimes we're tempted to get how-tos and, and keys to the kingdom, and those are all good. We're to, uh, to find out, we need to study how to pray, how to, to uh, proclaim and receive the promises. But sometimes you got to go back to what Coach Bryant said when he was uh, coaching, when he went back to the basics. He said, this is a football, and we need to go back to this is the foundation of our life, the lordship of Jesus. So look in chapter 10 of Romans and look in verse 9 where uh, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, he said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, would you say that with me? The Lord Jesus. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he's saying here, if you get your heart full of the truth, that the overflow of your heart will be that you will speak. And what you speak out of overflow, out of faith, out of believing, will cause something to happen. And in this case, what you're confessing is Jesus is Lord, and that is the thing, that's the only thing, it's, the, it's the, the trigger that releases the new birth into your life. We'd like to say get cleaned up, we'd like to say do better, we'd like to say don't do this and do more of that, and that's what almost every other religion in the world does, but that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is absolutely what you do with Jesus. The criteria for the kingdom of God is based on Totally, what did you do with Jesus, and what is he doing in your life today? You go, well, what about works? Well, there's obviously going to be a place for works and good deeds, but it's not in this life. It'll be in heaven. Uh, what you sow now is what you'll reap, so if you don't have anything good to sow, you're not going to reap anything good, but the new birth, going to heaven, having Jesus in your life is based on what did you do with him. If he's just... Uh, uh, well, actually, nowhere in the Bible is uh, uh, accepting the new birth or like an invitation. It's not in there. I know that's a major way that uh, some denominations uh, throw the net, so to speak, concerning getting saved is Jesus is calling, tenderly calling you today. And he is in that sense. But uh, that's that's not how it works. Uh, nowhere in the Bible is giving your heart to Jesus mentioned. Well, what did you do with God? Well, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I know that is a play for something else, but we got to get back to that's not it, and that's an incomplete salvation. Uh, there's no invitation. There's no uh, offer in the Bible that talks about missing hell or living the life of this world. You can't just miss hell but live a life like Melissa was saying, living a life of this world. Well, what is it? In John 3, let's turn to John chapter 3. He said, if thou wilt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. 
So there's the key, the Lord Jesus. Oh, I never heard it before. I've been born again since I was eight years old, and I'm older than I've ever been right now. That's for sure. And I never heard anybody say the Lord Jesus. Never heard it, but it's in the key verse that everybody uses to talk about the new birth. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. How it was presented to me is, uh, uh, do you want to give Jesus, you wanna, do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? That's kind of cryptic for an eight-year-old. That's kind of like, like, well, you can't really, conf you really can't teach an eight-year-old anything else. Well, it, it plagued me. It uh, hindered me. It limited me all of my life because I didn't know what giving your heart to Jesus meant. I didn't know. And it was also presented to me, do you, do you want to go to heaven? Well, what else is there? Well, if you don't say you want to go to heaven, you're going to go to hell. Well, I'm in. Aren't y'all? We're in. But then that just means that once you get your ticket punched, you can live like the world. And that's not what the scriptures say at all. It says in John chapter 3, look in verse 5. Uh, this is the story of uh, the, uh, a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus. And uh, the Lord Jesus answered, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. So that would be natural birth, wouldn't it? So you have to be born in the earth to get born again. You can't be an angel. You can't be a demon. Lucifer can't get saved. You have to have a natural birth here. And that's the whole reason for Jesus being born of a virgin, being born of a woman, is this scripture here is you must be born of water. You have to be born to have citizenship in the earth. You have to be born into the earth. So Jesus couldn't just show up, uh, took him a good ride from heaven and, and just showed up and said, well, I'm, I'm going to be the Savior. He had to have authority. He had to be born of a woman. He had to be born like you and me to take on our sin, to take on the price of our sin, the judgment. He had to be one just like us. So it said, if, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So here he's talking about the new birth. He cannot enter. He cannot enter. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now here it is, verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So it's not an invitation. It's not a Jesus in your heart. Now, I know people are going to pick at me for this, but there is a point here, and, and we, most of us understand. Well, I know what uh, giving my heart to Jesus means. Well, yay, you should. But a lot of people do not, and I did not. I did not understand it. And you've got to understand, the Bible says you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and ye must be born again. I did not know for a long time if I was born again. When I received, when I went down to uh, uh, some family members said, let's go down to the front of the church and, and join the church. And so that's what I was doing was joining the church. But I, eight years old, I had no clue. And so I was in a quasi new birth uh, in the church, in the kingdom. I didn't know anything for years and years. And so I don't have an exact date when I was born again, but I did confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And so at that point, I was. So uh, 
Did you know that, that the Lord Jesus, the word the Lord Jesus, or the word the Lord Jesus Christ, is stated 118 times in the New Testament? Who knew? Who knew? Let's turn to one of them. It's in Acts chapter 16. And look in verse 30. Oh, there's a bunch of them. And they're, they're, this is one of the first ones. It starts in Acts. Verse 30 says, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's talking about the jailer. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say those three words. Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Let's turn to chapter 21, verse 13. Verse 13. There's a lot of context around this, but we're just looking at the wording here. Paul answered and said, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? He was, he was, it was implied there that he wasn't following through. For I am ready not to be bound only but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Very important. Sometimes people pray, and they pray and just say amen, or pray in the name of God, or uh, the name of Jesus is everything, and the name of the Lord Jesus is ours. Look with me in Romans chapter 13. I'm telling you, we're skipping a whole bunch of stuff, 118 of them. Chapter 13, look in verse 14. I love this scripture. This is one of my favorite. It says in verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't just say put on Jesus. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is different than putting on Jesus. You can have a casual and a flipping and a and a uh, a, 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 a surface relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus. You know, I go to church and I, I read the Bible sometimes. But the Lord Jesus, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's turn to First Corinthians chapter one. Little Bible drill this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. The Lordship of Jesus. Look in verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to tune up here. We're going, to make, we're going to get out of the, the uh, nether realm, the foggy realm, the uh, misty realm, where we really don't know who we are and what we have. And we're going to either be able to, to uh, go back and say, I need to make him Lord, or we're going to rest in the truth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord. Because when you say that, it means a lot of things. It doesn't just mean whatever. It's just a word. When you call someone Lord, you're obviously divesting yourself of things that make you and me Lord in our lives making 
Jesus is Lord is not a political affiliation. Republicans are not more Jesus is Lord than Democrats or vice versa. It's not a denomination. Well, I'm a Methodist or I'm a Baptist or I'm a Presbyterian. Well, that, that makes Jesus Lord. It's not true at all, is it? Uh, he is not, Jesus is not a friend that gets me out of trouble. Whoo, I was in trouble. I called on God. Someone told me the other day, he said, well, God's not through with me yet. They'd just been fished out of a hard situation and they, sh- they could have and they thought should have died. But sh- uh, she said, well, the Lord's not through with me yet. And all I could say was, he's not through with any of us yet. When we get through is when we're through, not when he gets through. He's not through with anybody. Hallelujah. It's not a pre or a mid or a post-rapture stance to say, well, I'm post-rapture or I'm pre-rapture, uh, pre-tribulation, excuse me, pre-tribulation rapture. Therefore, Jesus is Lord. It's not the man upstairs. Y'all know some people still throw that around. It used to be real popular. Well, you know, me and the man upstairs are tight. No, you're not. <laughs> he's either Lord or he's the man upstairs, but you're not having both. Uh, it's not to believe, I believe in healing is for today, or I believe tongues is of the devil. It has none of those distinctions. It's not what we believe. It's not believing in God. It's not where we were baptized. It's not mama. Mama went to church here for years, or mama was a strong Christian. Daddy was always in the church. Therefore, Jesus is Lord. Has nothing to do with that, does it? Uh, The lordship of Jesus has to do with this. It's what you're doing with Jesus with your one and only life right now. Not used to, not going to, right now. You can measure, you can take a video, and you can take one one frame out of that video, and that one frame is Jesus is Lord or Jesus is something else. One of these things I mentioned and other things. So God's got a right of possession. Talked about this last week. He has the right of possession in our life. It's not like we're kind of in a business relationship and, and we could uh, legally terminate this thing or we could get tied or we could get loose. He has the right, the right of possession. So that means he's done something or that he's, uh, uh, in, he's uh, activated something in order to take jurisdiction over our lives. In other words, either he's in charge or we're in charge, but we're not both in charge. And that's how most Christians, it seems, want to live. He's in charge when I'm in trouble. He's in charge when I need help. I want him in charge when I leave this life. But until I leave this life, I want to be in charge and I want to make the call and I want him to do his part at the end of the life, but I want to do my part now. So even before we were born, there was a legal transaction that happened and there was a covenant that was made between Father God and the Lord Jesus that transacted something that we have that we can't even claim. We can't even say, well, I made this covenant. I can break this covenant. You didn't make it, so... We can't break it, can we? Hallelujah. But here's the truth. We're we're going somewhere with all this. I'm just laying a framework, framework, uh, groundwork here, is sin has come for each one of us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And And without the transaction of the Lord Jesus, sin's coming after us. The wages of sin is death. No one can escape it. No one can get out of it. It's death. And the Lord Jesus stepped in and he gave his life, or literally, 
He gave his life, which is his blood. Your life, my life, is in our blood. Everything else is just tissue, but the life of a man, a life of a person, is in their blood. Well, the life of Jesus was in his blood. So he gave his blood, which was also giving his life. And he gave his life for you and I as a ransom off the, the, uh, off the auction block of sin. In other words, the devil had a, had a right to us. He claimed us. There was a price he gave for, for us in the sense of the wages of sin is death. And he had a lawful legal right to us because of what Adam did. Is that right? And Jesus stepped up and said, I'll pay the whole price for Joey and for Melissa and, and each one of us said, I'll pay that price. Well, when he stepped in and paid the price for us who were going another way, going to the devil, going to hell, going to we, we were we were without God, without life. Then he then invoked the right of possession for father. He came for the father to ransom us. And now he has purchased us. He has bought us and we are his. We are his. You go, that's terrible. I don't want to be anybody's his. Oh, yes, you do. Because he's come to give us life and life that overflows. He's like your mother. You may have messed with her, but she's going to take care of you and love you to the end. Or at least most of them will. Amen. So lordship then is jurisdiction. Who has jurisdiction over you and me? Who has the last say? You know, we go to court sometimes to settle matters. And uh, whatever the judge says or whatever the jury says, however it goes, they let that gavel come down. Judgment has been invoked. And, and the judge will pronounce jurisdiction. You have to pay this. You're going to jail. You're free, whatever. He has jurisdiction over our life because we enter into that legal system. And who, whatever him or the jury says, they have jurisdiction and their say is final for that moment. You can appeal it and this, that, and the other, but that's the system. Well, when we got bought out at the cross, God took over. He has jurisdiction now, and he took over and said, I have the right of possession. I have the right for Justin. I have the right for Michael. I have the right of possession. I can control like you would a pet. I don't want to put it in that context, but we can understand that a pet belongs to somebody unless it gets loose. Uh, y'all know, then it's not a pet anymore. It's lost. But you, you own that pet. You are in charge of that. He, he doesn't want to eat uh, kibbles and bits. He wants to eat something else. It doesn't matter. He has no jurisdiction. You're in charge. You're in charge of when he eats unless he goes into the closet while you're gone and gets into the food. Amen. John 10.10. Y'all know the scripture in John 10.10? The Lord Jesus said, I have jurisdiction. I have, I have come that you might have life. My jurisdiction is going to bring life to you, and I've got it so it's unending. It's, it's eternal. It overflows. I've got jurisdiction. He said, but I'm going to let you choose whether you want to have that or if you want to be back as a slave, either one. So uh, I wrote this down. God... It's not, God, what have you done for me lately? Do you know those Christians? God, what have you done for me lately? They're, some of them are mad at God because their little brother, their sister, their, their, their uh, wife, their whatever, got killed, got maimed, got, got wrecked, and it, they, it went to destruction. 
And they're mad at God. Like, what have you done for me lately? I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, or I'm an American, or I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Republican. <laughs> Whatever people say, and all of those things have been invoked to say, I'm on your side, Lord. I'm a Republican. I'm on your side, Lord. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Texan or whatever. Pretty bizarre what people can include. So it's not, God, what have you done for me lately? I'm disappointed in you. The truth is, is, God, what do you want me to do now and forever? I am yours. You have the right of possession. I do not. It's just like the clay yelling at the potter saying, I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> the potter's got jurisdiction, and it's going to go his way. Turn with me, if you would. Uh, you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, maybe you're not in 1 Corinthians, but you go to chapter 6 anyway, please. And look in verse 19. We know this, but we're going to enforce it. We're going we're to nail this down. We're going to get some basics down. Like Coach Bryant said, this is a football we're going to get down some basic things so that everything we build on it will stand. Verse, uh, verse 19. Well, let's go to verse 18. It says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And then he says in verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and here it is, and ye are not your own. Let's put that in first person and say, hey, you, you are not your own. We're not our own. Now, we're Americans, so we think we are our own. We're free moral agents, so we think we're our own. But the truth is, if you get the truth out, God can't protect us. He can't heal us. He can't provide for us. As well, when we, are, when we are our own, when I'm in charge, you're not the boss of me, God. I'm the boss of me. Wow, how's that going for you? How's that working out? How's that playing? Not that good, really, if you compare what it is to have God in charge of your life. The New Living says, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. You do not belong to yourself. For God has bought you with a high price. Turn to chapter 7. You're, uh, you're right there. Let's look in verse 23. Uh, this one's simple. Verse 22, he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, all he, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. And then verse 23, he clarifies it. He says, ye are bought with a price. Be ye not the servants of men. Well, that servants of men could include, of course, other people, but it could include yourself. Don't even be the servant of yourself. Be his servant. Lord, I want this, and I'd rather do that, and I don't want to do this. I've told you all my story that I was, I was petrified to give my life to Jesus in any more than a casual sense because we'd had missionaries into our church, and they were all telling about going to a far country and eating bugs and not getting a bath for seven days and, and no crispy cream and no Rice Krispies. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that's what happens when you give your life to God? He says, come up here. I want to send you somewhere. I didn't want anything to do with that. I wanted to be an American boy doing American things. 
which was wide open. Amen. Uh, the Amplified says, you were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for by Christ. So I'm going to put that in first person. I was bought with a price. I was purchased with a preciousness, purchased by Christ, paid for by Christ. Then he goes on, he says, so do not yield yourselves up to become, in your own estimation, slaves to men, but consider yourself slaves to Christ. It's a posture. It's an attitude. It's a perspective. It's an outlook. How do you think? We all know if you put on yellow sunglasses, everything gets yellow. Gets a, you put on green ones, it's a green world. And if you put on, I am the, I'm in charge of me, it's different than when you put on, he's in charge of me. It's not just words. It's the whole perspective. The living says you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. And the passion translation, you know, uh, that's going to be good. Since a great price was paid for your redemption, stop having the mindset of a slave. Nobody's in charge of me except Jesus. Well, it makes you tougher than Woodholler. It makes you some sort of ornery when Jesus is in charge. That means if he's in charge, now let me just tell you, when he's in charge, he has to supply. If the, the dog, the cat, the, the, the slave, whatever, you may be doing what the master says. The dog may be coming when you say come and going when you say go, but it means there's got to be a supper time or we're going and we're not coming back. <laughs> we're going to run away from home. If you're not, if there's no supper time, if there's no come in and out of the rain. So when I give myself to be a servant, a slave, a bondman to the Lord Jesus, I'm making him responsible. He has jurisdiction and he has responsibilities of the right of possession. The right of possession means he has the right. He has the mandate or the duty of maintenance. If you don't maintain what you got, it'll rust, it'll, it'll fall down, it'll, it'll, get, it will, it'll lose its value. In Luke chapter 16, would you slip back there for me? Luke chapter 16. We're talking about the lordship of Jesus. It's really very simple. We've made it very scary, very complicated, very oh no. In America, we don't like anybody stepping on our rights. We're free agents, and we, we want a voice. That's one reason churches are messed up is because they think because we're in America, we're an American church, that everybody has a vote. And so you know, I've told you all there was a church that had yellow carpet on the left side and purple carpet on the right side because everybody voted, and it was a tie vote, and <laughs> nobody was going to give on the carpet. Don't you know heaven was excited that day about the business meeting that they had. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, the Lord Jesus said, no servant, no servant. There, are not, there is not a servant that can serve two masters. Why? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he uses the example here, you cannot serve God and mammon, which is money. But this principle works for all things, not just, just not God and, and money. 
No servant can serve two masters. In Romans chapter 6, it says the same thing. Slip over to Romans chapter 6 with me, please. Aren't you glad you brought your Bible to church? It's a lot handier than looking over somebody's shoulder. Chapter 6 of Romans, let's look in verse 16. This is a little more plain. He said, Know ye not that to whom ye yield, the word there is cooperate, yourselves servants to obey, his servants are ye to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So we change our master, we change masters by what we do. We either make sin our master, and we can't get out of it because we're, we're hooked, we, we want to do it again, it tastes good, it feels good, it, it's pleasure, it's uh, whatever, it's power, it's accumulation, it's domination, whatever sin does to people, why people keep on sinning. We change masters by saying, that's not, you don't have jurisdiction over me anymore. I'm going to make Jesus my master. I had to take care of me, but now he takes care of me. I had to fend for myself, and now he fends, he heals, he delivers me because I have made him, I've given him jurisdiction over my life. The New Living says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So when we go back to Romans 10, it says, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you're changing lordship. There's always a Lord. There's no, there's no instance in any time where there's no lordship. If there's a, a vacuum of any kind, we are the Lord. In the absence of making someone else Lord, we become the default. So if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you will change lords, he will it says there, you, you'll be born again, you'll be saved. And in the saved state, in the born again state, you become a child of God and he takes you on as his heir, as his uh, child, your, his uh, everything. Everything he has then becomes yours because he's the father and the father gives everything to the children. If you're not born again, you have no heir. Let me just tell y'all, let me remind y'all again. People look the same everywhere. They talk the same language. They get into the car and they put their right foot on the accelerator. It's the same. But if they're not born again, they're as, they're as different as a, as a flea is to a lion. There is no comparison. They're in totally different. You cannot deal with sinners because they have a different master. They are the masters. And when you get it down to where it hurts or whether it's close, they will always choose themselves. They have no confidence in anything else because they are in charge. They have jurisdiction. And we don't care. Jesus is Lord, and if he's leading us and we're following, this thing's going to turn out amazing. 
This thing's going to work out. It's old Billy right now. It doesn't look good, doesn't feel good. But I have made Jesus Lord. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. What else is he going to have trouble with? Nothing. Oh, yeah. So we can live apart from lordship. We can live apart from his jurisdiction, but it doesn't mean it's going to go well. It may go good for a while, and it does with most people's lives, but there is always a place where we being uh, uh, limited and frail, our lordship's not going to be enough to take us where we want to go. We will fail. Sin will come and say, I'm here for my wages. There's going to be death in your in your money, death in your health, death in your children. There's going to be some sort of dying or some degeneration in that. So let's say this. Lordship is by faith. Let's say it together. Lordship is by faith. It's not a feeling. Well, I just feel like Jesus is Lord. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Because some days I can tell you, you're going to feel like Jesus is not Lord. What is happening? The devil's all over me. My troubles are stacking up. Where is him? So we said this last week. You must want what the Lord wants for the reason he wants it. And you have to receive it exactly as he gives it. Anything outside of that, that's where I'm Lord. If I want something that he doesn't want, I'm contesting his lordship. I am... I am standing back and saying, not that. You can have these rooms up here. You can have the hall. You can have the closets. But this back place in my life, this is me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to live where I want to live. I'm going to divorce. I'm going to go. Uh, uh, I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to not go to church. I'm going to do everything because that's me. Well, that just means you're Lord in that area. Let's read it again. You must want what the Lord wants for the same reason he wants it. And you have to receive it exactly the same way that he gives it. People are always making a deal with God. I'll do this if you'll do that, or I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. And you have to receive it uh, just like he gave it. Um, Mark eleven twenty four says, what things ye desire... Man, that's a big statement. You know what you and I could desire? You know what that looks like? It can't be fit in this room. What things soever ye desire when ye pray? So you have to receive it the way he says he's going to give it. People say, I want God just to keep my family and supply me and give me a good job, but I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to give to Jesus. What things ye desire when ye pray? So that means there's a lordship there. I'm praying. You can't pray to someone that's not Lord. If they're equal or less than you, that's not going to help. So what things you desire, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe ye receive them. Well, that means that to, to have faith, you, gotta, you have to be in this. You have to have somebody, something that said, if you'll pray for this or you'll ask for this, it's on your list. It's on your list. I told you, I'm trying to pray prayers that God can answer. He's already pre-approved. They're on his list of pray this. Don't pray that. No five Cadillacs. No five Cadillacs. It's not on your list. It will go into the, into the file 13, the track. It will not happen. It will not come. But if you'll pray these things, I've already got those pre-approved. We're expediting that. We're getting that to you right out. Most Christians, though, I say most, a lot, some, maybe, 
Amen. So here's the question, and I'm going to bring this up. I'll speak it for all of us. Why do we struggle to make Jesus Lord? What is the struggle? Because it's a win-win. Make him Lord. Just say, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved. I am saved. Are you saved this morning? Of course we are. Of course we're born again. Even though we, we ebb and flow on lordship on a daily basis, we have believed God raised him from the dead, and that's, in, that's not in dispute. And so that's, that's covered. What you believe without dispute, I got it. I am going to heaven. How about you? Now, I, on the first train out, too. If it's, if it's pre or mid or post-tribulation, I don't care. I'm just going the first time ever, that, that the Lord's taken us. I can tell you, whatever you believe about those three things doesn't change any of it. <laughs> Amen. What you believe about the Antichrist doesn't change the Antichrist. Oh, my. So in Galatians chapter 5, why do we struggle? Let's look in Galatians chapter 5. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all are going to get out by 2 o'clock today. I'm running out of notes. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. Let's look in verse 7. I hope you put a star around this from last week. Because it's key. Verse 7. Well, let's look in verse 6 for context. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. What, what, what availeth anything? Faith which worketh by love. It's a confidence that God loves me. Faith that worketh by love. I'm going to pray this prayer. It's on the approved list. By his stripes ye were healed. I need healing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to enter, I'm going to enter into the provision of healing. Well, how, how can I stand on that? How can I go the distance? Because I know God loves me. Faith that worketh by love. He loves me. He's going to take care of me. That's where a lot of the failure in prayer happens is because we're like, I don't know if God's going to do it. That just means you don't know if God loves you. Don't, you know, I've kind of been bad lately. I hadn't been doing what I used to do, or I, I fell short here, and I don't know. Faith that worketh by love nails it every time. Amen. But then, now we're going to verse 7. He, and along that line, faith that worketh by love, ye did run well. You have a history. You have a resume of running well. But he said, but today, today, right now, Paul said to the church at Galatia, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? So there's a lapse here in lordship, isn't there? It was. But as we grow, as we increase, as the Lord asks more of a mature Christian than he did of the baby, you're feeding on meat, and sometimes there's some hard places in the meat. Milk, you can just chug it. <laughs> I got that. You can drink a gallon of it, you know. But meat, you got to chew, and you got to chew, and you got to chew. And, but it'll make you strong. Well, what did hinder you? Well, it was gristly, or it was hard, or it was thick, or it wasn't well done, or it was too done, or whatever that we say is wrong with the meat. And then we divide up in camps called denominations or movements or whatever, and we divide that up and say, well, we're all this, but I, I believe that. 
And so it, it, what, what made you not run well? People get divisive with their beliefs that don't matter, that don't matter. If you don't believe it, just move on with what you do believe. Because convincing them or being convinced by them doesn't change anything. You're going to have what you believe. You're going to have according to your faith. If you believe you're going out in the first roll, we're on the train together because I am. Amen? God's supplying my need. Is that in doubt? Only if you don't believe, but I believe. I have such a confidence because of what the Word says, but then my experience. I've got a little life with him that says he'll do it. He'll do it, and he did it, and he did it. So eventually you get some, we got this, nailed it. Amen. So he says, ye did run well. Who or what did hinder ye that ye should not obey the truth? Why do people backslide? Why do people fail or, or quit making Jesus the Lord? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. That's, that's to the right after Colossians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here's another question that Paul's asking. Verse 10 says, night and day praying exceedingly. You know, night and day praying exceedingly, that's a lot of prayer. That's fervent prayer. That's dedicated prayer, isn't it? You know, well, prayed, prayed once this week for a little bit, and I prayed last week a little bit. No, this is night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face, look, look, and might perfect. The word perfect there means to make what ought to be. That we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. The word perfect means also adjust to fit. So there's a pattern, there's a mold of faith that worketh by love and faith that's something else. Faith that's afraid, faith that's fearful, faith that's insecure, faith that's, I just don't know what God's going to do. You never know what God's going to do. Sure we do. But we have to believe what he said he would do. We have to believe it. Otherwise, we don't know. We have to convince the unknowing with the known. And as long as we're in the unknowing, I don't know if God will do that. I heard about Aunt Nelda, you know, in her situation, and God, God just let it, let it ride. It didn't happen. Well, Aunt Nelda, who knows what she was believing. So he wants to perfect that which is lacking in your faith, to make what ought to be, to adjust to fit. The word lacking there means to be behind. You ever felt like you were behind? Well, when you get sick, when you get bad sick, it'd be real common for people to feel like I'm behind. And that's when we call the elders of the church and say, come pray for me, I'm behind. I should have been strong. I should have been uh, under the lordship of Jesus. I should have been tight. I should have not had anything lacking in my faith, but I do. And I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of it either. Please come pray for me because the prayer of faith will save the sick. Oh, y'all, we got we to get that in there. Just like parents, you know, they, ha they have to pray for their children. They have to fix things for them. They have to fund their children. They have to care for them. Well, this is the way the Lord is caring for us is uh, you'd go to a doctor because the doctor knows things you don't know. And he'll say, we're going to prescribe this. Well, what is that? Just trust me. I know what it is. It'll fix it. 
Okay. We'll do that. Do you know what tetramycine is or, or doodle-doodle-doo? You, you don't know what the, any of those are, but the doctor said it'll fix it. And so you trust him. You say, he said he'd fix it. And so you go get it, and you put it in, and doggone, in three days you feel better. In five, you're, you're back. The doctor knew, and we believed him. Well, we have to believe this. What is lacking in your faith, he wants to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. So it's not just a thing where God makes a decision. God's in heaven. He said, I see trouble down there. Leroy's got trouble. There's trouble down there. What do you think, Jesus? Yeah, let's do it for him. I think he's got prospects. He's got potential. We'll just send it down there. We'll send an angel down there to drop it off. You know, that's how a lot of people believe. And so when it doesn't happen, when their trouble continues... They get rejected. Why is God mad at me? It was just a little thing. And I've seen lots of Christians do worse than that. And they're, they're driving better and living better. And it's just a mishmash. Our faith is important. What you believe is important. You can't have as much. Now, you can have heaven because he loves us. We're children. But you can't have as much with no faith as the guy that gets in faith. Is that what it says? I want to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We're praying exceeding night and day. We're praying that we can get into your life so we can fix it so you can get relief. Well, what will be will be. If God wants me to have it, he just will. It will. If he doesn't, he won't. That's not what this scripture says. There's a key. There's an answer. There's a path. There's a way in. And you can miss that when you're supposed to turn right and you turn left. <laughs> It's not going to happen as well. It's going to be a long ways around. Amen? So I have to, you have to, we all have to deal with what hinders and what is lacking. That is the Christian walk. Jesus is Lord. But there's directions. There's situation that needs remedies. There's instructions. What, Lord, what do I do about this? It says the paths of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Well, why do we need our paths ordered? Because there's a bad path and there's a good path. There's a way to life and there's a way to death. In Deuteronomy, doesn't it say, I've put before you today death and life. Choose life. So there's a choosing. There's a, there's a path to take. There's a decision to be made. And uh, the Lord wants us to be ready to make the right decision. I've made a bunch of wrong decisions. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I, I thought, this will be good. This is how God works. This God, God, God's got this. It was the lazy path. It was the easy path. It was the, I didn't have to ask anybody path. It was the, I feel good about this. I want this to work out path. But it didn't work out. And I had to struggle to get back off on the dirt road and get back on the interstate over here and finally get up. But I'd lost days. It was a lot of effort. It was just... It was hard. If I could, I'm trying to get my life where I have no backups, <laughs> no redos. I have been famous for frustrating uh, the, the GPS girl, the, the, you know, where it says, go to the next place you can turn around and go back. Now, that has been my driving history, pretty much, where I just, I zig where I should zag, and I just... And, the, and poor Siri, she's always saying, turn around, turn around. <laughs> you missed it, dummy, turn around. Well, I'm trying to get my regular life where I nail it the first time. Y'all, it's time to grow up and just say, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to ask. I'm going to research. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get it right the first time. I, I'm not even going to say I want this because I'm bought with a price and I want what he wants and I want it for the same reason he wants it. I'm not afraid and I will, I will receive it the way that he gives it. A lot of that means timing. I am famous for saying if I know about it, I'm going to do it. If God shows me anything, that means today. But the Lord a lot of times will want to give you something about the future so you can pray it out. So he can let you see what's coming. But not Michael. I've always been one like, if you tell me, Lord, I'm going to be on it. And I'm out of timing. I'm not receiving it the way the Lord gives it. And so he's not Lord in that area. Are y'all here? I got, I got to like, time's not a big deal to God. And he trusts me. In the Old Testament, he says, I'm not going to do anything without first telling my prophets, my, my, my people. I'm not going to do anything in the earth without first running, running it through someone. Well, he wants to run it through you. You got to wait for it. Timing is everything. Right place, right time. Yay. Well, what do we got us here? Uh, what I want to talk about, just I got a few minutes here, talking about this thing that says we, we want to perfect that which is Lacking in your faith. And where he said in Galatians, what hindered you? So there's something that hindered you. Even Paul said several times, he said, I would have come to you, but the devil hindered me. I didn't get to do what I wanted, what God wanted, because I, I, wasn't, I didn't see him coming. And he came around from behind. So I want to talk about this this morning, just for a moment. There's one thing that hinders Christian is condemnation. Just plain old I did bad, and so I feel bad, which then says I can't receive good. We, we position ourselves so the good of God, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. Well, we just get out of position. We're supposed to be like yesterday in the football game. Uh, the quarterback threw it, but the guy wasn't where he was supposed to be because he the commentator said he was supposed to, he thought, the, the runner, uh, the quarterback thought he was going to keep going, but the, the runner stopped or turned left or something. And so the ball hit the ground. Praise God, it just hit the ground. It didn't, didn't fall into somebody else's hands. Well, that's the way I've been several times. I'm sure you do. It's like, I'm out of timing here. I'm, I'm just, I didn't get it. Condemnation does that. It makes us where we're unworthy. Where we feel bad. Did y'all see the, 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 they kicked off to, uh, I won't say his name, but they kicked off to him and he's, he's got great hands. He's got great legs. He's got great everything. But that ball, I might as well have been out there. <laughs> That's as scary a thing as you can think about. Because it just went right through his little hands and bounced all over the floor. Or the, the, it was a bad day for him and us. Hallelujah. Well, I, I've done that. In the things of, of life. I've done that where here, here it comes. I'm fixed to make a touchdown and I can't even find the ball. So to speak. Now let's just say this. When we're dealing with condemnation, your spirit man is perfect. Spirit, soul, and body, the spirit man, sin can't touch it. God likes you as much when you do good. Or if you don't do good, he likes us the same. Love doesn't change based on performance. Is that right? 
I mean, we don't we like our kids to do good. We like our co-workers to do right. Well, we can't put them in the love love category. It's hard to love co-workers. Hallelujah. Uh, let's get back to kids. We, we when our kids do wrong, we're mad. We're a wet hen. It's all flu- but but at the end of the day, come here, baby. Mama loves you. Or come here tomorrow and mama will love you. <laughs> Can't do that today. So, spirit man, we're good. But our soul, our soul. What does the word say? Uh, let's see if I wrote it down here. Uh, oh, yeah. Be not conformed to this, by this, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spirit man, we're perfect. But up here... Anything could happen, and it does. We, we can get agendas and motives and lust and just laziness. And God says, here, I got a great deal. Just stand up, and we'll go do it. And you go, you know, not today, Lord. And so the opportunity just goes by us. And he's like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Well, that's, that's gone. We've got to start over and wait for the next one. I've done that. Have you all done that or felt like you did that? So, uh 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Talking about our spirit. Behold, all things have become new. So on the inside, we can't be touched. The devil can't touch us inside. Sin can't touch us. Our past can't touch us. We are a new creation. And it's as, it's not even as, it is, you have never sinned before. But in your own mind, you have to say, it's as if I have never sinned, that I never did that. The, the, I am a new creation. And that man that I was has been destroyed and annihilated. So, but our soul needs work. And that's where condemnation comes. Turn with me to one more scripture. It's in 1 John 1, 9. We're going to do this today, and we'll see what we'll do another day, if, if at all. But we're talking about the Lordship of Jesus. We're talking about making Jesus Lord and truth. Listen, listen. The truth you know sets you free. That's it right there. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if I know what Jesus wants, if I make him Lord and he's able to, he's able to tell me, not that would he tell me, he will tell us, but if he's able to convey to me what he wants, it's in my court. I can know the truth or I can reject the truth. Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to move there. I don't want to drive that green car. Well, that's the car that's going to be good. This, this black one you got picked out, it's a lemon, and it's going to give you old Billy. Get the green one. I've had that happen many times where I got a car I didn't really care for, but it turned out to be, I loved it. Bought a black New Yorker one time. A dealership went out a bit, was going out of business. It was the last car they had, and the Lord said, go down there. Uh, my financing was, was sketchy at the best. It, it was not good. And I went down there, and the guy said, we got to get out of here. The bank said this, and they said that, but we're just going to do it. It was a big black Chrysler New Yorker. They don't even make them anymore, but it was some. I didn't want a big black car. Uh, Eric Scott said, uh, he said when we take him to school, I think he was in the fifth grade, Everybody would, uh, he'd get out of the car, and they'd walk up and say, hey, G-Money, hey, G-, whatever that means, hey, G-Money. 
driving in the, like a Cadillac. It was a big, beautiful limousine-looking thing. It wasn't, but it looked like one. And so they gave him old Billy about that, but that car was wonderful. But I didn't want it, but it was what God wanted, and I played into his hands, and I got such a deal. Got financed, paid off the thing. It was wonderful. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Got to get through this. 1 John 1, 9. Here we are. Here we are. This is God's bar of soap. I hope you have stars all around it. I can hardly read my print for all the stuff around it. If we confess our sins. So right there we know we can't just think them. We can't just be sorry for them. We can't just wish that we hadn't done it. The Bible says the way to get clean of sin, of condemnation, to deal with your past, to deal with this morning, to deal with a while ago, is that you have to confess your sins. Sins mean shortcomings. It's anything that misses the mark. It's, a, it's anything that when you know to do good and do it not, it is sin. It's that. There's sins of commission where you actually went out and sinned. And there's sins of omission where you were supposed to do something. I was supposed to do something, and I just locked down and didn't do it. That's sin. Even though I didn't go out and, you know, hit anybody or cuss anybody, it was sin. He said, if we confess our sins, so you got to go to God. Sometimes if you, if you sin against somebody, you got to go to them and say, i got to give it to you because I did it against you publicly. i gotta, I got to confess it to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If we confess our sins, he, the Lord, is faithful and just. It is fair for the covenant. It is fair for the transaction. It is fair for heaven. It's only fair. It's not fair for him not to. It's fair for him to forgive us our sins. If we confess them, it happened. He forgave us. I told you all about the man that, that, uh, that he, somebody said, I'm sorry, and he said, that's not good enough. I need a little blubbering, a little crying. I need a little contrition here. I need to know that you, you know, bring me your firstborn or, you know, whatever. Whatever he was looking for. But God's not that way. If we confess our sins... You tell him, God, I have I sinned against you, against my calling, against my wife, against my child. Lord, I have sinned. And I just get down and just say, I hate this. I just hate. I, it's not just a flippant thing where you say, I got 10 seconds, Lord. I'm fixing to load my life out. You got to spend time with it. Sin has sorrow. Sin has. If it doesn't have sorrow, then, then we haven't confessed our sin. We've just mentioned it, you know, like. And how it goes to heaven is, is, it wasn't that bad. You know, I could have done better, but it wasn't that bad. And under the circumstances, it was pretty good. Sin has sorrow, godly sorrow. Where you say, God, I hate this. I hate that I'm out of the will of God. I hate that I missed your voice. I hate that I went against the word of God. I, I hate that you had a better plan for me and that I missed it. I, I cashed out, that I didn't let you be the Lord of my life. I'm bought with a price. Lord, what was I doing? Going off on my own, just saying, I'm big and I can do this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. It is just to forgive us our sins. And here's the contentious part. We've talked about this. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's the part that's, that's important. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, you know that uh, our spirit man is pure. Sin can't touch our spirit man. So where is the unrighteousness at 
that we need cleansing from. Now, a lot of people take this like, well, you sinned, you're unrighteous, and until you confess it, you could go to hell. This is everywhere. This is all over the world where they're teaching this because they don't know the difference between spirit, soul, and body. They're teaching that if you sin and, and then you black out and truck runs over you, you're, you're waking up in hell even though you lived a good life. Jesus was Lord, but you messed up and, oh, it's crazy. They do that with water baptism. If you, if you make Jesus Lord, but you don't get in the tank, you're going to hell. Now, that's not just. He is faithful and just. God's just. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. So he says here uh, in verse 9, uh, and he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where is the unrighteousness? It's not on God's side. He knows he's righteous. He even knows we're righteous. But the transaction's happening right up here. This eight pounds of wonderful. <laughs> Some people, it doesn't look as wonderful as others. I saw that joke the other day. It says, uh, 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 get eight hours of beauty rest every day, nine if you're ugly. <laughs> I thought that was good. Amen. So the cleansing from unrighteousness is not in our spirit. It's in our head. We have to confess it out with sorrow. With sorrow. You confess it out and say, God, I repent of this. I'm sorry for this. I, I come clean to this. I plead the blood of Jesus on my life. And thank you, Lord, for cleansing me as if I had never done it. And I am now, here it is, restored. You want Jesus to be Lord? If you're whooped up all the time, you're a worm that's no good, that God's thrown you away, he can't deal with you because you're so bad, and uh, you just can't get over your sin and what it did, then you cannot make Jesus Lord. Because he's either Lord, he owns us, he, we're bought with a price. He either owns us good or owns us bad, but he owns us. It is what it is, and if I'm, if I'm not good, well, then he still owns me. He's still in charge. He said, if you'll just confess this out, you'll feel good. Heaven's already forgiven us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That literally means not, not everlasting life. It means life of the eternal. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. John says, if you get born again, you'll have that life come into you, the life of the eternal. Well, I thought it meant we'd live forever. Well, if you have the life of the eternal in you, you will live forever. But they're different. doesn't just mean, because people that are going to hell are going to exist forever. So what does Jesus have to do? Why do we have to get saved if we're going to exist forever? Because we're going to have the life of the eternal, the, the everlasting life coming in us. Anyway, that's, that's a little off subject here, but verse 9 says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You get it out. And when it's out, you know it's out because you can say it's finished. It's out of me. It's off of me. And it never was in you, but it was in your head. It was knocking around there. Well, I don't want to pray that today because I, it's just been three days since I did the bad thing. Nope. 
did it this morning and confessed it out this morning, and I can believe God for anything now because I, it's as if I never sinned. And that's what you have to do in 1 John 1, 9. So if you want to make Jesus Lord, you gotta, one thing you got to do is you got to stay clean. God's bar of soap. Scrub-a-dub. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord is a key to the kingdom. You know what we're preaching the other side of is Jesus is Savior. Well, sure, that's in the package. When you make Jesus Lord, he, the Savior is in the package. But what about healer? If he's just Savior, is he healer? Well, not necessarily. Just get you out of hell. It's just a ticket out of hell. Well, I want him to be Lord so that he's responsible for my body and responsible for my mind. You have your mind ever, ever have thought your mind was going cuckoo? Wacko, like, why are you thinking this? Well, I'm under stress, and I, I hadn't slept in six days, and what, yeah. Well, we need Jesus to help us with our mind and with our bodies. Amen. 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 I love the Lord Jesus. That's why I love to preach his word. That's why you love to hear it and to do it is because he is a full-service Lord. He's just full-service Whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, I'm going to go back to that scripture, and I'm going to quit with this. I love this scripture in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. What things soever ye desire. I'm telling you, I got a, I got a big potential there. I'm not a wimpy. I'm not a, I'm not a skunk that can't ask from God. I got some potential in asking. What things soever ye desire when you pray. I like to pray. You like to pray? Sure. Might not want to pray publicly, but we... We get off with God and say, I can do this. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them. Access them out of heaven and put them in your heart. Your heart knows what to do. Your heart will make them, create them, bring them to pass, and you'll have whatsoever things you saith. Oh, y'all. Oh, y'all. You know the biggest disappointment in heaven is going to be? Golly, the Bible was true. I wish I'd have believed it like it was true. If there's disappointment, I don't guess there will be. But if there was, that will be it. Gosh, the Bible meant what it said and said what it meant. I wish I had prayed and believed I received because I could have had what I said. And all the promises. By stripes you were healed. I wish I had believed and went through the symptoms and got past the symptoms and the bad report and just stood on the word and outlasted the trouble. I, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. God, I wish I'd have believed that. I wish I'd have acted like I was who you said I was. Cleansing us from all unrighteousness puts you over in that realm. Well, I'm going to believe the word. I'm cleansed from sin. I'm, as, I'm the, as he is, so am I in this world. Oh, it takes a lot of faith to get around that little verse. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we put on the Lord Jesus. We put him on, and Lord, we thank you for perfecting that which is lacking in our faith. Thank you, Lord, for what hinders us? Lord, we're being restored by the renewing of our mind and the revelation of your word. It's changing us, and we are those new creations. 
We are brand new. Old things indeed have passed away. And we say, I believe that. I am not who I was. I am who he says I am. Therefore, I do what I am can do. And I have what I am can do. Lord, I thank you can have. In Jesus' name, I put off the old man. I put off the old man. I will not live with him anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being the Lord of our life. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. Let's say that in first person. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Again, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, water baptism is simply a confessing with your body. It's telling the world. It's a thing where you tell the world, I'm a Christian. It's no big deal in America because why do you need that? You're already American. You're, you're going to heaven. You're American. <laughs> we, but in other countries, to get water baptized, they kill you and your family. Because you're saying Jesus is Lord. And we're not going to have that in Iran or Iraq or Yemen or Somalia or Iridia and UAE. We're not having that. So let's be strong. It's easy to be strong in America. Let's be strong. Amen. I want to have a word of knowledge about somebody in their body. Strange thing. You have a, a thing on your tongue, and it hurts like old Billy. And the doctors are saying, we're working with it, but, but it's not working. And I'm telling you, if you'll just receive healing for this thing on your tongue, uh, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Receive that right now. And just, just thank God my tongue is healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And then there's somebody else that I just got that, uh, you, and this is a lot of people, you can't walk very fast. It hurts. Um, this is, I know this could be knee reply. I'm not going to try to build on it, but I'm telling you, if you will believe God with me right now that Jesus is healing your Situation. I don't even want to say it's a knee or a muscle or whatever. You just can't walk. I command you to walk now in Jesus' name. Be healed and be made whole. And everybody said amen. 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 Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you.